0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Well, your pastor and his sweet wife are some of our favorite people. I love them greatly, and you are a blessed, blessed, blessed church. Amen. 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 And i know the quality of food that is regularly served over this pulpit you might eat junk on friendship day but you don't eat junk on sundays you're richly fed and i feel honored to stand here excited to have been a part of this morning's wonderful celebration thank god for what he did amen amen that's to god be glory and to you be credit i'm going to read tonight from 2 corinthians chapter four Second Corinthians chapter four and verse number one. I will read the first seven verses of this passage. Thankful to be in this beautiful church and very grateful for what the Lord is doing here. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse number one. The Bible says this, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. It's Paul writing, of course, to the church there in Corinth. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That's a tragic thing. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse seven, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. My message title tonight is this. You're a vessel, not a vault. You're a vessel, not a vault. And you can be seated tonight in Jesus' name. I've got some images they're going to help me with tonight on the screen. They are some of the heaviest and most secure structures built by man. Can you give me the next slide, please? We call them vaults. Literally... Hundreds of tons of steel and concrete that exists for one reason, the value of what's kept behind those doors. That's the only reason you build them, is that something's going to be behind that door that has worth. Next slide, if you would. This is in New York City, just blocks from Wall Street. There sits a vault with 25% of the world's current known gold reserves in it. 540,000 bars of gold sit behind a 90 ton steel vault door 80 feet underground cut out of the Manhattan bedrock. Why? Because the price will, the value will fluctuate somewhat of course, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $275 billion worth of gold are there. 98% of which is foreign owned. Of course, part of the reason for that fact is the next slide. Fort Knox, that's where our gold is. Our gold reserves are kept behind four fences, two of which are electrified. Granite walls in this building are four feet thick held together with some 750 tons of reinforcing steel. Armed sentinels line the perimeter of this place. There is a 22-ton vault door which secures our gold reserves. Surrounded, of course, on the army base there with some 30,000 armed soldiers. You'd have to get your way past the armed soldiers and past the two fences without getting electrocuted and through the granite walls and past the armed sentinels to finally make your way to the door of that vault and then you would have to find all of the staff members involved, each of whom only know part of the combination because nobody is allowed to have access to the entire combination. Why? Because the bulk of our nation's gold reserves are there. They won't say how much it is exactly, just that it's approximately 3% of all the gold that has ever been refined in human history is in that place, in a vault. But It's not just about money. Next slide, if you would. Travel with me now to Cheyenne Mountain, Wyoming. Meant to be the military command headquarters in the event of an all out nuclear conflict. Home of what is known as NORAD with the military's affinity for acronyms. North American Aerospace Defense. <laughs> yeah, that's easy for you to say. North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD. It is the place from which military operations would be conducted if there were some kind of all-out conflict between the world's superpowers. The men and women who work there do so behind two. 25 ton blast doors, watch this, each of which can withstand a direct strike from a 30 megaton nuclear weapon. To put that into perspective, the bomb that destroyed Hiroshima at the close of World War II would have had to have been 1,429 times bigger to get through one of those doors. The site is buried under two thousand feet of mountain granite. The air has to be piped in, but it is considered the purest in the world, having been processed for chemical, biological, or nuclear contaminants. Why? Because our command and control structure is there, and the key defense personnel who work in that place and the systems which operate from there must be protected. They must be kept safe, and that, my friends, is what. What vaults do. They keep safe what is kept behind the door. They are designed in consideration of how valuable is what is kept behind that door. I want to remind you of something tonight and you can think it's preacher talk if you want to but all the gold in Fort Knox and all the gold on Wall Street does not compare to the treasure that happens when one crack addict comes comes up out of the water speaking in other tongues. The night you repented of your sins and the Holy Ghost filled you, you got a treasure that's worth more than anything on this planet. Can I get a little more monitor up here please? Don't hurt them, but please give me a little more monitor. I want you to understand you could stack up all the gold and all the silver and all the diamonds and all the rubies that Forbes 500 can amass and you show me one homeless man that's filled with the Holy Ghost and he's richer. I need somebody to act like you believe it. He's richer, he's richer, he's richer. We have a treasure. I tried to research what's the most expensive substance on the planet. And the best I can figure out, it's something called antimatter. I read about it. And the more I read, the more confused I became. Now, there's, I just know after service, a nuclear physicist is going to walk up to me and try to explain it. All I know is it requires a massive particle accelerator, which is basically a big tube that's like a mile around. Don't ask me how, but somehow they start one atom going this way, and one atom going that way, and they get them rascals buzzing at near, very nearly the speed of light, and somehow they manage to steer. Those two atoms into each other. I wanted so bad to make a woman driver comment right then, and I'm not going to do it. I just I'm going to let it go. God help me. I'm just going to let it go. But was that smart of me to let? Thank you very much, Houston drivers. They steer those two atoms, and when they collide. They tell me, don't ask me how they know this is your tax dollars at work, that somehow something is created for just a split second at the subatomic level that's called antimatter. All I know is that they estimate, and it goes away immediately. You can't keep it. But if they could keep it, they tell me that if they could accumulate it, Antimatter would come in at a value of approximately two thousand trillion dollars an ounce comparable to gasoline. <laughs> and yet I tell you with absolute certainty that all the antimatter that ever was or ever shall be does not compare with what God gave me when I was born again. You can think it's preacher talk if you want to, but it's time the apostolics get excited all over again about what happened to us when the Holy Ghost moved in. If that. Thrill you anymore. It's been too long since you've had a drink of it. You've forgotten how broken your life was. But, honey, if you know that you don't deserve to be here, but the Holy Ghost has moved into your life, somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to lift your voice. Somebody ought to clap your hands and run. Somebody ought to dance in the spirit. You have a treasure. I get weary sometimes when we spoiled Pentecostals. Well, Brother Graham, I'm just not emotional. Hogwash, it's that Greek word again. If you get up tomorrow morning, hear a knock on your door about seven o'clock, you go up the door and the publisher's clearinghouse house van sitting in your driveway, There's a dude on your front porch with a stack of balloons, a camera, and an oversized check that says that you have won $7,000 a week for life. Even so come Lord Jesus. There ain't one of you. Ding dong. Hello, can I help you? Yes, sir, congratulations. I'm from Publisher Clearinghouse. You've won $7,000 a week for life. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you not understand what I said? Every week of your life, you're going to get a check. Seven grand, it'll never quit. You even get to will it to your kids or somebody you like, whatever. Well, I think that's wonderful. Well, don't, don't you have something to say? Oh, sure. Or seven i'm telling you sir 7 grand a week for life i'm telling you well i know but i'm just not emotional <laughs> i will tell you what you're- You're going to run down the street in your Winnie the Pooh house shoes and you won't care who sees you. You're going to knock on doors of neighbors you haven't talked to in years and say you're not going to believe what just happened to me. You're going to tell total strangers at Tim Hortons, you can't believe what I just got. They just gave me a treasure. I'm set for life. I'm never going to have to work another day in my life. I get one this week. I get one next week. Then how come a preacher has to bust his guts when he says, you've got the Holy Ghost? You didn't hear what I said. You get to come to church this week. You get to come to church next week and the next week and the next week. You've, you've got a treasure and it's better than everything this world can offer. It's You ought to run and tell somebody. You ought to tell everybody you can get to. My life's been changed. The Holy Ghost came in. I've got a treasure. I've uh, got a treasure. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. You don't have some second-rate, inferior version of a junior God. You've got Christ in you. When you drive home tonight, you've got Christ in you. When you go on the job tomorrow, you've got Christ in you. When the devil tries to attack you, you've got Christ in you. When your kids are struck with sickness, you've got Christ in you. It's better than diamonds. It's richer than gold. It's better than silver. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I have a treasure. Uh, It has value. It has worth. You can't replace it. If I ever lose this, I'll never find its like. There's nothing to which it compares. There is no substitute. We are profoundly and amazingly blessed. We have a treasure. Now, I tell you without fear of contradiction that a treasure must be guarded. Certain steps are taken when you understand the value of a treasure. Now, you do this Naturally, you might leave an old muddy pair of work boots on your front porch overnight. You ain't leaving the keys to your new car in that same place. Why? Because you esteem them to have different values. If you're walking out to your car tonight, pull your keys out of your pocket and drop a penny, and that penny rolls to the exact geometric center of a parked car and there lays down, I got a feeling most of you are just gonna go get in your car and leave it there. I don't think there's very many of you that are face planting on the blacktop, try to wiggle your way under a car that you don't fit under to try to get a hold of a penny. But if you pull keys out of your pocket and a hundred dollar bill falls out, first of all, you're like, I got on somebody else's britches, That $100 bill goes fluttering and stops under the exa- exact geometric center of that car. You're going face first. You, you're getting after it. And if you can't reach it, you'll take one of your children by the hind leg and drag it out or something. you just, you ain't leaving that thing there. Right? I'm not lying. You ain't leaving that there. And if you are going to leave it there, I want to follow you to your car tonight just on the off chance that I may have to borrow one of your children. I don't have mine with me, but I'll do something. I'll sit here and wait for that guy to leave. He's got to leave sometime. Why the difference? Why the difference in my commitment? Why the difference in my actions? It's the difference in the perceived value of what's under that car. See, if you saw me on my belly reaching under that car, you might laugh at how I live but not if you understand the value that I see. You might make fun of me for the way I live, unless you understand the value of what I have. Laugh at me, if you will, for my commitment, but I know how rich the treasure is. Make fun of me, if you will, for how I dress, but I know about this treasure. Laugh at me, if you want to, for how excited I get in church, but it's only because you don't understand like I do. The treasure that God has placed in my life I'll show you another example. For years I had a safe deposit box at the bank, $100 a year. Keep passports in there, stock certificates, old life insurance policy, you know, stuff like that. I have never walked into that bank, told them, hey, I need to get my safe deposit box, please. Certainly, Mr. Graham. They get the key and I pull it out. Would you like a private room? Yeah, I do. I've got some things to put in there. Got a shopping safe bag with a broken shoestring, a burnt-out light bulb, And a spatula, we melted by leaving it on the stove. Mr. Graham, what are you doing? I'm putting this in my safe deposit box. They're going to call for medical help for me. (laughs) Because they're going to say, why would you go to such lengths? To protect things that have no value. But if I came walking in there with a stock certificate for an original share of Google, they're only going to say to me, why didn't you already have this in here? Why why haven't you been protecting this? Don't you know what that's worth? They wouldn't make fun of me for the steps I had not taken. When they understand the value of what I have. Okay. Oh, you beautiful, godly, holy, righteous young ladies. When they start to make fun of you at school for the way you look, when they start to mock you about that dress or the hair, that you don't have to be ugly, and I'm not asking you to rub anything in their face, but I would to God you just remember this sweaty old fat preacher from St. Louis that looked at you and said, the only reason you guard it is because it's a treasure. Yeah. And when they want to make fun of you, the only reason is because they don't understand what you've got. They don't know what it feels like to talk in tongues. They don't know what it feels like to have your sins washed away. They don't know what it feels like to... I feel somebody feeling a little bit of the treasure today. Would you let that gold dust run through your fingers and say there's nothing crazy about protecting a treasure? I tell you today, however I have to live, whatever I have to do, whatever I need to wear, however I need to act, wherever I need to go, wherever I need to not go, that's not a high price to protect a treasure. I maintain that when we clearly understand the value of what it is to be an apostolic, no measure of safety is too great to protect this treasure. Well, can you prove to me that it sent me to hell? Doesn't matter. Does it put my treasure at risk? And if it puts my treasure at risk, ain't coming in my house, If it puts my treasure at risk, I ain't bad-mouthing the pastor when he tries to give me instructions. If it puts my treasure at risk, I don't want anything to do with it. Because I love this so much that that doesn't seem foolish at all. So this treasure has to be guarded. But this treasure was never to be hoarded. It is amazing to me to understand, you be seated. It is amazing to me to understand with the incredible value of this treasure where God chose to put it. Because He did not put it behind strong reinforced doors. The Bible says, next slide, if you can please, He chose to put it in earthen vessels. As you read through the scriptures, you can just leave that one up a while, you will read of treasures of varying worth. You will find vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of fine copper, vessels of ivory, of brass, of iron, of precious wood, even vessels of stone. But see, all those things I just named are durable. They last. Generations can pass. And those vessels will still remain. But God put his treasure in earthen vessels. Simple, fragile items made by the potter. Potter's vessels, which can be so easily broken, which can be marred. They are imperfect. They are not durable. In fact, they're rather cheap. Unless, of course, you ladies go to Pottery Barn where we pay confiscatory pricing for an otherwise cheap vessel, so we can bring it in our house, put weeds in it, so we can take anti-allergy medication to offset the weeds in the high-priced pottery. I'm a guy. I don't understand. All I know is pottery earthen vessels they're cheap you buy them at costco back in jerusalem by the sleeve they weren't expensive they were easily broken they were easily replaced now we don't use them today so it's not an illustration you can relate to so i had to make it modern okay so we don't have earthen vessels what we've got are these next slide Cheap, common, not him, this. <laughs> Sorry, I realized that sounded bad. You just run up here and I start throwing out adjectives. This is about the best representation I can give you today. Nothing special about this. You can buy a sleeve of them at Costco. You can get 5,000 of them for 12 bucks or whatever. They're just not worth all that much. Actually, they're made out of petroleum. It might be very valuable now. I hadn't thought about that. So please understand, we have this treasure, but just we're just a bunch of old styrofoam cups. See, let me, let me do it this way. If you came to our home and my wife were to serve you tea, next slide, in this, I know what would happen. All you ladies, all, all, well, I was going to say all of you, but the guys wouldn't. If you, if you guys did, I'd throw you out. But the ladies would say, oh, that's lovely. How, how long has it been in your family? Did your grandmother give that to you? Did it come over on the Mayflower? How many, how many place settings do you have? What's that print? Next slide. If she served it in this, nobody's going to say, "How long have you had it?" How many generations has that been in your family?" Oh, what's that print? Watch, I got you laughing and bust you right in the nose. Because when you get it in that, the focus is not on the vessel, it's on the contents. All you would say about that is, this tea's delicious. Where can I get some? That's the best I've ever tasted. What flavor is that? How do I get that? I want to tell you why God put this treasure in us. It's so he gets all the glory. The focus is not on the container, it's on the contents. It's not about us, it's about him. We're just common, ordinary vessels that he put a treasure in. When the guests come in here, I don't want them to talk about you, I want them to talk about the contents. I've never felt anything like that. What is that? What flavor is that? How can I get some? The point of a simple vessel is that the focus is not on the vessel. The focus is on what's in the vessel. God didn't put his treasure in a vault. He put it in a vessel. And he put it in a simple, frail, broken, flawed vessel like me and like you. styrofoam cup can have emotions. Probably not. Those can't. We can. But you'd have to think that styrofoam vessel would feel itself pretty blessed if some high dollar valuable liquid were poured into it. Talking to the other vessels. Dude, I usually only get Kool-Aid. <laughs> Best I ever had was lemonade. Lemonade. Oh, look what they put in me this time. I feel blessed. I got new wine in me. You want to know why we get excited and we tend to be a little exuberant in church because all the junk of this world got poured out of us and we walked in this place and God said let me give you something better than you ever had before. Let me pour something in you that's got more value than anything you ever tasted before. And we opened ourselves up and the new wine flowed in. And now it's not about me and it's not about my opinions and it's not about what I like and it's not about my way it's about him it's about him it's about I want everybody in Zanesville to look at the contents and not the container Paul told the church in Corinth for ye see your calling brethren How not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things that are not yea, He hath chosen to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh, You ain't got nothing to glory about when you realize you're nothing but an old plain styrofoam cup. It's a matter about serving God. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about the vessel. The vessel can be easily replaced. The treasure is irreplaceable. So, he put this in a vessel, not a vault, because... He never intended for us to keep this treasure for ourselves. It was not put behind vault doors so you could hoard it. It was put in a vessel so it could be poured out. Our church for several years helped fund our building fund with something called a truckload sale. If you're not familiar, let me explain it to you briefly. Walmart has a very generous return policy on their goods. And you can buy a truckload of goods that have been returned to Walmart. A tractor, trailer, and and they may be things that somebody bought and were broken and they took them back. Maybe something that somebody bought and then just decided they didn't want it. Maybe it's something they bought and used once and then thought, let's just get our money back. We won't use it again maybe discontinued items, damaged items, broken items. You buy a truckload of it, you never know what you're gonna get. But you buy it at a greatly discounted price and you unload that truck. You spend a couple of weeks digging through all this stuff, cleaning up, fixing up, repairing, testing. Then you put it out on tables, you have this huge sale. You sell it to the community at half a retail. We called it, affectionately, the cheapo depot. That's what we named it. I was walking through there one day, and I noticed that in the load that we had just gotten, there was a safe. Home safe. You know about. So, and I thought to myself, man, that's, wait a minute. That's, I'm paying 100 bucks every year for a safe deposit box at the bank. That's $200 retail, that's $100 at this sale. It's a no brainer. I'll buy that safe. I'll take it home. It's got little holes in the bottom. You mount bolts in the floor of your concrete basement and you bolt that thing down so nobody can steal it. It's good in a fire up to like 1,400 degrees. It's good to like, I forget what they told me, 200 feet underwater in case we ever have a tsunami in St. Louis. I thought, well, this is great. So I bought that. I plunked down. I got it under your card, got that $100 bill. I popped it down, I bought that safe, man. I, you, I'm a proud owner of a safe. Ah, there's only one problem. When I open the box, it is locked. Ain't no combination in the box. You are looking at the proud owner of a safe that I've had for probably a decade. It's never been opened. I have no idea what's in that safe. There could be bearer bonds in there. There could be Google stock certificates. There could be antimatter. I don't know what's in that safe. I'm just telling you, you may be looking at the richest person in the state of Ohio today, but wouldn't anybody know? And I don't know. I've kept it. It sits in my garage to this day. I've moved it multiple times. Say, why haven't you gotten rid of it? Look, I called the company. Do you know that a safe company will not give you the accommodation to a safe just because you call and ask for it? (laughs) Seems strange. I tried to explain. I got it at the cheapo depot. Everything's fine. They wouldn't do it. So why don't you get rid of it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because I am just convinced that God loves me enough that someday at our church we're going to pray through a safe cracker. And before redemption has removed his past from him too far, I'm going to say, you come over to my house, man. I'll serve you some Kool-Aid in the good glasses, but you come on. We're going. You get down and open that rascal. I'll, I'll give you 10% of what's in it. So far, we haven't baptized that guy. So I still have a... If you're here, I'll buy you a plane ticket to St. Louis. Well, see me. Have your people talk to my people. It'll be great. All I know is this even if there is untold, I've got a point. You need to worry when I get you smiling, I'm about to bust you in the nose. There may be untold wealth behind that door, but it does me no good so long as that door is closed to me. And I tell you in the fear of God today that while we have shouted about the value of this treasure, It does the person down the street from you no good as long as it's kept behind doors that are never opened to him. I preach to you today that God did not put this treasure in you to keep it. God put this treasure in you to share it. As he told the 70 disciples when he sent them out, freely ye have received, freely give. You are not a vault to hoard his treasure. You are a vessel from which his treasure is to be poured out. God wants you to pour this treasure out in home Bible studies. God wants you to pour this treasure out in Sunday school classes. God wants you to pour this treasure out in nursing homes. God wants you to pour this treasure out in daughter works. God wants you to pour this treasure out in prison ministry. I'm telling somebody he didn't give this to you just so it would be yours. He put it in a vessel so he could be poured out we need people to understand we got to pour back out in the church we got to pour out in our community we got to pour out into the world it's not just when you're on the platform we declare his salvation day by day i read recently about a place and they've got a picture of it here on this on the screen i'm almost done you can show them this next slide This is what is known as the Svalbard Global Seed Vault. In the event of an Armageddon-type nuclear war, severe asteroid collision or, or something like that, that might wipe out all plant life on the planet, someone with way too much money has built a vault, this vault, on the island of Spitsbergen, which is only 620 miles from the North Pole. It is surrounded by hundreds of miles of frigid ocean and ice and a host of hungry polar bears. It's buried in the ice, but well above sea level. Behind four vault doors, each one that gets progressively bigger is a supply of the seeds for some five hundred thousand of the world's plant species the idea is if we had a disaster that wiped out plant life you could get there get the seeds and you could reconstitute agriculture on the planet that had to be done by a government committee because i'm trying to figure this out so there's a horrific disaster that wipes out all plant life and most people and suddenly in a world with no communications and no transportation one guy in Australia one guy in Brazil one guy in Belarus and one dude in Boise somehow make contact with each other they get together in northern Norway and they set out in a canoe. And they roll hundreds of miles, fighting off radioactive polar bears. And they get here. And one of them says, okay, Bob, where's the key? I thought you had the key. I don't have a key. You have a combination? No. And humanity dies an ugly death the last hope for mankind perishes outside a door on the other side of which is the answer to their hunger i'll tell you what makes even less sense the guy you work with that you've never mentioned god to and he dies lost When just on the other side of your door is the answer to his hunger. Can I tell you today, God did not put this treasure in vaults. He put it in vessels. There are people in our community tonight dying of spiritual hunger. Thank God for what he's done here. I look at this congregation, I think where you've come, and I celebrate and rejoice with you. But God help us. God help you will you let me be your friend tonight god help you from ever getting comfortable with this church being this full hey the bills are paid we can raise 160 grand if we need to we're in good shape yes you are thank god for a wonderful church great music great facilities great pastor thank god but the guy down the street from you who's on his way to hell He doesn't need you to tell him about the treasure inside your vault. He needs you to start pouring out that treasure into his life. And as much as I love to preach while we're running and jumping and shouting, the Holy Ghost constrains me tonight to remind you that he didn't put this treasure in you just so you can come to church on Sunday and shout when the preacher gets excited and tells you it's worth more than gold. He put this treasure in you so you'd walk down to McDonald's and tell somebody, I got something for you. I got a treasure. You got to feel this. You got to experience this. The greatest thing in my life can be the greatest thing in your life. Life. Come on, church, we got to get gripped with this again. He did not put this in you for you to hoard it. He put this in you for you to share it. You be seated in a minute. I'm done with this. Here's the amazing thing about cheap vessels. I mean, literally that cup, probably if you factored it out, it can't cost eight cents, a dime. I can't imagine it costs that much, probably significantly less. And yet, in spite of the cheap nature of that cup, if that thing, if we could eliminate, there's some water in this cup in case you're wondering. Okay? I know that's not an uncommon experience around here right now. Either laugh about it or you cry. You might as well laugh. And we're going to get it fixed! So, So there really is, there's some water in there if we could eliminate evaporation from consideration your pastor was so gracious last night to say publicly that he wanted to get with me about a date to come back and be with you again next year and I'm very honored by that but if evaporation could be eliminated from the equation and you could leave that thing sitting right there one year from now the same amount of water would still be in that cup because the fact that it's cheap and common doesn't keep doesn't mean that it's still not very good at keeping what it's got ten years from now it would be there a hundred years from now the pulpit would rot away out from under it before the treasure would get out of that vessel I would tell you today oh Jesus help us right now the treasure that's in that vessel will stay there forever until something disquiets the vessel The treasure that's in that vessel will only come out under two circumstances either it bows Or it's broken And I tell you in the fear of God today that the Lord is so desperate for the treasure that is in this church to get into your community that if i won't bow he will break me but he's going to get the treasure out Somebody better hear me right now. If you've gone through a hard season and you've got some scars and you've got some wounds, don't get bitter. That's just where the treasure flows out of you. Somebody better hear me right now if you've been through a hard time and you've got some scars. The good news is, when you walk on the job, the treasure just pours out of you. When you walk through the grocery store, the treasure just flows out of you. When you're down at the restaurant, the treasure just Flows out of you. Just stay standing, I'm done. And you come to church next Sunday and you say, God, fill me up again. And He pours it in again. You can't even get out the door before it's running out of you again. You say, God, I sure wish you'd heal my scars. God said, No, I gave those to you. So the treasure. Would touch your neighborhood and would touch your loved ones and would touch your family and would touch your co-workers. Don't you begrudge the scars. I'm saying, God, break us. God, I bow my will to yours. Break me. Do what you have to. But I can't just remain sitting upright on my pew looking like a pretty Pentecostal while my neighbors are going to hell on the other side of a door that locks up the treasure that you put in me. So God, I will bow to you and I will accept the brokenness. Let you break me as you need to. I will throw myself on the rock and be broken, or the rock can fall on me and grind me to powder. But one way or another, God, get this treasure out into our city. Come on, I need to preach in church right now. Get this treasure out into our schools. Get this treasure out into our prisons. Get this treasure out into our neighborhoods. Get this treasure out into our daughter works. God! Would you throw your hands up and begin to talk to him right now? God sent me with a message tonight. I know it of a certainty that he wants you to be thankful for the treasure, but not so you can keep it, but so you can share it. No, 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 no. I want you to call out with your voice. I want you to call out with your voice. The number of Bible studies and this being taught in this church needs to double. There need to be twice as many people teaching a home Bible study a month from now as are teaching right now. Somebody's got to say, God, do what you have to, but don't leave this treasure inside a vault. Come on, pray, church. Pray, pray. I wish some of you would keep praying but make your way down to this altar. I wish some of you'd come down here, come running and put your face down in the carpet and say, God, I've been keeping this treasure too long. I got to share this. Come on, don't stop praying just because you're walking. I want you to lift your voice down here and make some covenants with God and say, God, I will let it pour out of me, out of my hurts, out of my blemishes, out of my flaws, out of my wounds, out of my disappointments, out of my pain, God. Let this treasure flow out of my life. I'm done screaming at you. This prayer time is yours now, but I would to God you'd pray like a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled people I would to God you'd lift your voice like a bunch of apostolics even with your face pointing downward I wish there'd be groanings and wailings and somebody needs to cry out to Jesus your co-workers their eternity hangs your neighbors their eternity hangs in the balance what will you do to get this treasure out of this vessel God, get it out. God, get it out of us. I'm not a vault. I'm a vessel. I'm a fragile, scarred, damaged vessel. But you could use it, God. You could use me, God. It could flow out of me. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast.